Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hey guys, so today we're going to talk about being proactive. Okay, we're going to talk about being proactive. How do you prevent things before they become a problem? So many problem behaviors could have been prevented, whether with knowledge, whether with uh, noticing certain signals early on in the dog's life. Maybe even socialization in the beginning, but we're gonna we're gonna go through everything. Well, we're gonna go through three things today. How we can be proactive, especially for dogs that you think are gonna be prone to aggression. Now, I'll tell you a quick story. I was on the interwebs. I was on the internet, and somebody had posted on a social media platform about a dog that was very excited, and they were using the dog's excitement as an excuse as to why they couldn't pet the dog. They would go down to pet the dog on the head, and it would turn and start to air snap very gently. It wasn't vicious, but it was enough to where the handler didn't want to proceed with trying to pet the dog. So what's going on there? right? Well, number one, they need to do a lot more body handling work. But number two there seems to be a misunderstanding on how excitement relates to aggression and sensitivity. So they need to work on that. But my point of bringing that up is, if your dog is exhibiting any of those types of behavior, you need to do something about it. You cannot just say, oh, well, my dog's a high-energy dog and they have a lot of excitement and that's why they do what they do. No, you can fix those things, right? It's all just behavior. If you just break it down into behavior, it's very simple. It it applies all to the rules of punishment and reinforcement, and we can alter our dog's behavior. That is what we have the control over. That's what training is. We just take adult learning and we change things. Just like if you wanted to change something in your life, let's say you didn't like wearing heels. Let's say you're a woman or a man and you, you want to wear heels, and you don't like wearing heels. Well... First, you have to determine what's the association to the heels. How can we reward certain things, right? So if every time you wore heels, people gave you compliments, you'd be much more inclined to wear heels next time. So that would be seen as reinforcement. Now, if the reinforcement does not outweigh the pain you feel when you wear heels, you're not going to wear heels. 
So what you might do is say, okay, well, I'm going to wear heels just a little bit. And when I start to feel pain, I'm going to take them off. And you would slowly build up your feet's endurance to endure that pain. And then it would be outweighed by all the positive reinforcement you're getting from compliments. So not only are your feet adjusting and learning, you're, you're turning off those pain signals, but you're also getting positive reinforcement. So back to our <laughs> three things on being proactive. We got a little bit of a tangent there. Three things for being proactive. The first one, the first thing you need to do, absolute beginning of any training sequence is obedience. The amount of behavior problems I have ran into that could have been prevented with obedience is astronomical. Okay, dog's not listening. Dog jumps up on people. Dog starts to have aggression. It all comes back to obedience. I've trained several dogs with resource guarding issues just by doing a recall. And if a recall is that solid, there's no need to really target the resource guarding, is there? So my dog starts guarding the food. If I have to go over, take the food bowl, whatever it is, chew toy, my sock, a muffin, whatever it is, we, we have an issue. We're fighting. I don't want to fight with my dog. There's no need for me to be fighting with my dog. There is a need for me to build a relationship with my dog where we are on the same team. I am on my dog's side, and I want them to see me as being on their side. If they see me as an adversary, if they see me as the problem as opposed to part of the solution, we have a problem. We have a massive problem. So I recall dogs off of resource guarding. I just say their name and call them. And because we've done such good obedience work and we have a solid recall, that's easy. And the dog starts to forget about whatever they were resource guarding. So you have to look at things at a different perspective. You have to look at things at a different angle. If you do not have that obedience, you can't do that. And you are subject to trying different methods when really just go back to obedience, work on a recall, and then implement it in your resource guarding training. So number one is obedience. I'll give you another example. Your dog's not listening outside. You don't have good obedience. You might think you have good obedience because your dog listens to sitting down inside, but they don't listen to sit down, stay, come, heal outside. If they don't listen inside, outside, down at the park, down at the store, whether it's with you, somebody else, whether you have toys, whether you have treats, whether you have nothing, then your dog doesn't have good obedience. And that's why they're not listening outside. You didn't practice enough outside under the right conditions with a training plan to make those things happen. So you need to go back to obedience. Problem behaviors start with a lack of obedience. Now, let's say you're doing aggression work. You're doing bite work, whether you're a police officer, whether you're in Schutzen, whether you're doing sport work, whatever it may be, or you're just playing tug. It goes back to obedience. These things are just extensions of obedience. So you should be doing obedience. You do an obedience workout. Then you do your excitement, whatever it is, bite work, tug, agility. Then you come back to obedience, teaching the dog that we can get excited, but we will always come back down to focus and control. Do that, and your dog's expectation will follow. Oh, we can get excited, we can do all this stuff, but we always come back to focus. Number two for being pro proactive. Number two, right? First was obedience. Very, very big. That's the first thing you need to do. Number two is body handling. You need to handle your dog. 
like the example I said in the beginning. That individual is incapable of touching or handling her dog because she hasn't worked on it while the dog is excited. She might have worked on it while the dog is calm, and now she slowly needs to start incorporating excitement into the handling. You should have your dog into a sit right after running around being excited. Tell him sit, which go back, goes back to obedience. And now I should be able to gently touch my dog, pull them, push them, whatever it is, and they should stay firmly planted in the sit until I release them. So body handling is huge. Now you could also do this while you're playing tug. So let's say you're playing tug. One hand is holding the tug. Now you reach around with the other hand and you start manipulating the legs and you start rubbing the body. That's a great way to teach body handling. It desensitizes them to being touched, but still builds a positive association because they're playing. They're getting to engage with you. Now, if your dog's not toy motivated, you can do this with food. And I do not mean, this is, this is an old trick that people used to do where the dog is eating and then you come over and you mess with the dog while they're eating to teach them that you're in charge. That is not what you should do. It's what people used to do. And again, it causes this animosity between the handler and the dog. It teaches the dog, well, if I come over, I'm most likely going to mess with you. As opposed to, when I come over, I'm going to give you something better. Or I'm going to give you more food. right? Or we get to do obedience, and because you love obedience, because we taught it right, then you get to get the food again. So again, you do not want to build animosity with your dog. If you are messing with them, if you are pushing them, if you're pulling them, if you're sticking your hand in the food bowl, you're messing with them. And that would be grounds for getting bit in the animal kingdom. If one dog was eating and another dog came over and just started pestering the first dog, that first dog is going to turn around and snap. Just to say, hey, knock it off. That's not. This is not the time. So... When it comes to that, what you should do is, when it comes to resource guarding, you should move in, drop more kibble into the food bowl, and then leave. But that's not how we teach body handling. The way we teach body handling is having a handful of food. You're basically going to hand feed the dog for several days. After a couple days, you're going to start to touch the dog and then hand feed. Super, super simple. We are proceeding the food with body handling and you're going to build up the duration on body handling before they get the food now you can do this at the same time to try to make an association some dogs it will work some dogs it won't I prefer to do the body handling first and then the food dogs are less distracted and it teaches them that me touching you is the cue or the stimulus the antecedent rather to food so if you let me massage you or touch you or handle you, then you get food. You can also use a marker. You can click and reward that way. The secret is to have enough understanding of your dog to know when they're getting stressed. Because if I go to touch my dog and they stiffen up like a board, and then I remove my hand and they relax and then I give them food, what did I reward? I rewarded them for relaxing after being tense, and they were tense while I was touching them. We want them to feel relaxed while I'm touching them. But do not leave your hand on them until they relax. 
That is not the right goal. Our goal is to have them relaxed the whole time, no matter what. So if your dog is even more anxious and they get stiff every time you go to reach towards them, hand feeding first. Then hand feeding while one hand is out closer to them. Then hand feeding when one hand is slightly below them, right? right? So you're just breaking the behavior down as simple as you possibly can. Make it as easy as you can for them to be relaxed and comfortable while building positive associations, classical conditioning. So first we had obedience, second we had body handling, the third one is socialization. Socialization of a dog is critical. Okay, As we've talked before, there's five influences of behavior, I'm not going to go through all of them now, but the last two are early experiences, that's socialization and adult learning. Now socialization does come into play in adult learning, but it's more important in early experiences, rather it's very important in early experiences because it determines a lot for adult learning and how much work you're going to have to do during adult learning. So between 4 to 16 weeks, there's a period of time where your dog needs to learn everything that is normal in life. If you're going to be having your dog go to the vet once a month, that's good. They're going to get socialized to the vet. They're going to have good feelings, all the good stuff. If you only go to the vet once a year, and every time they go, they draw blood, the dog gets taken from you for an hour, they have to do stuff in the back, it's with people it doesn't know, they're going to panic. So try to set up a training plan. If you have a competent veterinarian, they'll understand. Just say, hey, I want my dog to be socialized and enjoy the vet. Is there a way I can just bring him in to get a treat? And then you walk away, and then you bring him in for a treat next month. And every month, this just becomes a routine thing. I come in once, I get a treat. If it's in a pet store or near a pet store, you can make a positive association that way. Every time you go to get a new toy or something, just bring him towards the vet's desk, have them give him a treat, and then go about your merry business. This will build positive associations to the vet, especially at a young age, and then you can wean them off of it, and you'll never have to do it again. Other things that your dog might need to know is normal. Being in a crate, being alone for several hours, being in the car, being handled by strangers, being on a leash, being around animals if you're on a farm or you have other animals, being around kittens if you have kittens, being around kids if you have kids, right? If you have kids and you try to introduce them when your dog is five, it's going to be a lot different than if you introduce them as puppies. They'll play differently. They'll act differently. They'll tolerate certain things differently. So you have to account for that when you get a puppy and you have kids. But socialization also goes into aggression. If, And we've seen this a lot with COVID and having COVID puppies. Dogs that are not socialized with strangers will act fearful or reactive. And that's a problem when you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how to fix these things. Because now you have a dog that's absolutely losing its mind every time it sees somebody new. And it's only going to get worse. Because we know that there's a sequence. I see a stranger, I start to freak out, the stranger goes away, I did a good job of making him go away. So that behavior gets reinforced over and over and over and over and over again. And your goal is to now change that concept. Oh, when I see a stranger, I sit, I'm polite, I'm patient, they walk away, everything is good. I don't get stressed. Problem is we move too fast, too soon. So... 
dog starts reacting to the stranger. We then get them not to react to the stranger, and then we push the stranger closer and closer to the dog when we shouldn't be. So you end up having a dog that thinks they're doing good, but every time they do a repetition, it gets closer and closer. It gets harder and harder for them. That's no way to train. Sometimes it should be easy. Sometimes it should be hard. But socialization is huge when we're talking about aggression. Because you're socializing them to handling, you're socializing them to strangers, to other dogs, and I do not mean playing with other dogs. Your dog should be able to relax and be calm and cool and connected to you around other dogs and people and strange things before getting to play with other dogs. If you just bring your dog to see other dogs and they start playing, eventually there's going to be a problem because your dog isn't focused on you, it's focused on the other dogs. And every single time you go to the park, you just let them loose. All they're thinking about is getting to the other dogs. Again, everything, everything goes back to obedience. Obedience first before the park, during the park if you can, and then after the park. Always, always, always go back to obedience whenever you have a problem. You will have a foundation, a framework of which you can target and implement in any scenario. Sit down, stay, come, heal, all those things. You should be able to do in every area before you start having the real fun. And I know that's tough because everybody wants to have the real fun, and that's the reinforcing part. But I promise you it will be reinforcing if you set up obedience correctly where your dog will actually listen. It is way more reinforcing than when you go to do something fun, and it's supposed to be fun, but you're stressed now because your dog's not listening to the recall and they're running off the field. That's a problem. So number one, obedience. Goes back all the way to the beginning. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Number two, body handling. If you cannot handle your dog, no one else can. You are the sole provider of your dog. You are responsible. You need to make sure that you can touch them anywhere. What happens if they get hurt? Your vet has to get things done. So if your dog's not comfortable with being handled, it's going to be a more stressful and rough experience. They're going to have to muzzle your dog. They have to pin them down. They have to all this extra stuff that could have been avoided because you taught body handling with other people, mind you. Other people need to be able to touch your dog. But do not put them in that position if you can't touch your dog or you don't feel confident touching your dog. You should be able to hold your dog upside down. You should be able to pull on their ears, pinch between their toes, and they should be neutral about the experience. And number three, socialization. Early socialization is key. However, systematic desensitization as they get older is fine. Expose them to the world. Bring them everywhere you go, wherever you can. Clearly not everywhere allows dogs, but where they do allow dogs, you should go. You should do obedience. You should bring them around. You should get them exposed. Have them climb on things. Go under things. Hear different sounds like trucks and buses and forklifts beeping and all of this stuff plays a role in your dog's temperament, right? People would call it temperament, and it is, but we can influence temperament. Oh, that dog sound is so sound. It doesn't make a noise when other things are going off. It doesn't care about all those things because it was properly socialized. But you would consider the temperament of the dog to be 
really high. You would say, okay, well, this, this dog has a good temperament. It's okay with working in strange environments. Or, this dog has a good temperament. It's capable of handling stressful situations. Is that the case? Or is it actually that this dog was properly socialized? And it can handle these situations because it's found that they are neutral stimulus. They don't mean anything. dog's not going to get hurt. It's not going to get hit. It's not going to blow up. These sounds mean nothing. Obedience, body handling, socialization. Thank you for listening today. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.